Hey there, welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Our interview guest today is Brian Phillips, who has a terrific new podcast series called 22 Goals. Before we get going, you can sign up for a subscription to my writing site at grantwall.com. I've got big magazine stories coming soon from my reporting trips to Leeds United and from interviewing migrant workers in Qatar. So subscribe now and help me continue doing cool stuff like this. That's grantwall.com. Now, here's my interview with Brian Phillips. Our guest now is my favorite soccer writer. Brian Phillips has a phenomenal new podcast series for The Ringer that just debuted called 22 Goals, in which each episode uses a great World Cup goal as a window into an era of soccer history. I've already listened to the episode on Dennis Bergkamp's 1998 goal against Argentina, and I can't wait to hear more. Brian, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh my gosh, I am so glad that we are finally able to do this. I um I looked back in my email when we were when we were uh, scheduling this recording, and I found that we first started talking about um, going on a podcast together in 2018. So we've been trying to make this happen for for four years. I think we were both at different jobs <laughs> at that point, True. and uh, it's finally come true. Hello. Hello, it's so great to have you on and, and get a chance to talk about this because I listened to the Bergkamp episode. It's, it's just one of the episodes and it's phenomenal. I happened to be lucky enough to be in the stadium when it happened and all of the stories about Bergkamp uh, are just an absolute treat to listen to. Could you explain to our listeners what this 22 Goals series is and how it came about? Yeah, so it came about pretty much because I was getting sort of personally overwhelmed by cynicism and pessimism about the game. You know, it just seems like especially going into this World Cup in Qatar, where there's just been so much bad news, so much corruption, so much, just just the whole thing has felt very dark at times. And I think it's really important to talk about that. I do not mean to uh, to sweep that under the rug in any way. But I was just feeling that for myself, like for my own sake, I wanted to find a way to reconnect with the joy of the game, you know, to reconnect with what I love about it, with what makes me want to jump out of my chair with happiness when I watch it um, and kind of reassert that it's that stuff that is the essence of the game. It's not the corruption and cronyism and cynicism. The corruption and cronyism and cynicism are like, they're lice, you know, they're parasites attached to the game. And I just wanted to get back to what seemed to me like the positive essence of all of it and uh, find a way to tell some good stories about, about goals that I like. So the basic idea is, just as you said, each uh, each episode starts with a with a goal, we take one goal, uh, fame. Some of them famous, some of them not quite as famous uh, from a from a men's World Cup, and then um, kind of use that as an endpoint for a story. We try to say, well, if the story ends here, what leads up to that? What what do we have? And just kind of like look at everything. There are lots of you know lots of tangents and and funny uh, alleyways to go down, but it's just basically about telling the story of that moment in soccer and that player. And what are some of these 22 goals that you have chosen? Uh, 
well the list is tightly controlled at this point i will say our uh our social media team is not going to be pleased if i if i reveal all of them but i can say that episode one is uh is about diego maradona it covers two goals you can probably guess which two uh 1986 england um so the first episode is maradona and uh next week we are we are talking about uh ronaldo the Brazilian Ronaldo, one of my favorite players of all time, and uh, his comeback from injury and the the kind of return to the heights of the game in 2002. So, um, or yeah, um, so yeah, I um, I I can't go into a whole lot more detail than that, but um, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a good list. Probably will be controversial in at some moments. Some things got left off. Um, I'm personally very relieved that uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic never scored a World Cup goal because I would have wanted to do like eight episodes about that. Even it could have been like a like a tap in in the first round of a group game that they lost, and I would have been like, we just have to talk about Zlatan. So I was spared that, but uh, otherwise, yeah, I, I I like the list. In is it 22 episodes? Is this like a like like how much stuff is this? So it's it's uh, it's 19 episodes because wow. three episodes cover two goals each. So the first ep- the first episode covers two goals, and then there are a couple of other moments where we talk about two goals at the same time. But um, 19 19 is the the total. The math does work out. It was very important to me that we actually get the math right. Uh, so there were multiple drafts trying to figure out how that was going to happen. <laughs> Now, one of the revelations here is your podcast voice, which is terrific. And as I've learned personally doing narrative series, it's a real challenge sometimes to find your voice for a podcast just because you are sort of reading off a script, but you don't want to be sounding like you're reading off a script. And you you get it right, man. Like, how would you describe that challenge? Well, first of all, it means a lot to me that you think so, because I would never have listened to one of your podcasts and thought this was something you struggled with. But it was definitely something I struggled with. You know, I felt like that was the aspect of this that was probably the biggest uh, learning curve for me. And I've been super lucky, just blessed to have a wonderful team of uh, podcast producers and experienced podcast people at The Ringer to work with on this who have really been patient with me and kind of helped me along. Because, you know, I'm a I'm a writer. I've never considered myself like a professional talker in any universe so um and the, and the whole podcast is basically just me talking like it's not a it's not a chat show so it was uh, a lot of work to try to find a way to to do the scripts in such a way that they would sound uh you know reasonably natural even though it's all it's all planned out in advance some ad libs on your twitter announcing the series you wrote if you miss run of play this is very very much for you and I nodded aggressively while reading that. <laughs> and I found you originally through your original blog, Run of Play. And yeah. I was just wondering for our listeners who maybe haven't been exposed to that because they just learned about you from The Ringer, from your books, 
Can you explain what run of play was? Absolutely. Yeah, I assume that's most people because run of play hasn't like meaningfully updated since about 2011. I think I posted like a book announcement there in 2018, but mostly it's been dormant for more than a decade. So um, run of play was where I got started as a as a sports writer and as a soccer writer. You know, I was writing uh, around 2007. I was mostly writing book criticism. I was writing like poetry reviews, uh, arts criticism type stuff, which was you know, fascinating and wonderful, but I started to get frustrated with it because I just felt like I was, I was sick of writing about other people's writing. You know, it was just like, it felt like one level removed. I wanted to write about a thing. And I think my wife finally just got sick of hearing me complain about it. And one day, you know, I came home and Siobhan said, all right, I started a soccer blog for you. Here's the address. Update it if you want to. <laughs> like, just stop talking about stop talking about how you want to write about soccer and not and not contemporary poetry or whatever. So I started like started a soccer blog in my living room and uh, did that for did that for several years. And I felt like over the years, it was the exact right moment to start a blog. It was before social media really took off, and we were kind of able to build this community of you know, sort of weird, offbeat, creative um, soccer writing that tried to find unusual angles and uh, unusual ways to talk about the game. It was it was probably the most rewarding thing I've ever done. It was super fun. And uh, I do feel like this series is a throwback to that era because it's uh, it's it's you know, it's zany. It's a lot of tangents. It's a lot of um, a lot of experimentation. Like, I don't know what I'm doing with the podcast. So I'm uh, I'm totally just finding my way as I go. Uh, so it feels like the same kind of endeavor. It's been great. I, I got to tell you, I, I, my feeling when I first saw your work on Run of Play, when you were writing about soccer, was one of these things that I you don't get very often, which is this person is just like somebody I've I've never encountered this type of writing about soccer before, and I'm I'm honest being honest here with you, like it was almost like I could not believe that I had never heard of this person who was American <laughs> and wrote this amazingly well and distinctively about the sport. And I, I haven't, I mean, we, we're a pretty small community of, of soccer mm -hmm. people still in the United States media wise. And so um, you think you know who's who and suddenly this voice emerges and, and like, it, it still blows me away that feeling of like, I think I was reading you about Pele, um, among other things. So um, it's it's really a, a cool thing to have you, you know, doing soccer stuff again. And uh, I do get the feeling listening to this podcast series, it feels a little like reading, uh, like run a play, as you had mentioned. Um, and I, I guess what's fascinating to me is that you do so much of what you do so well, including what I've heard of this podcast series without necessarily doing interviews. How do you pull this off? <laughs> um, I think the number one strategy I have is just be born a terrible interviewer. <laughs> like <laughs> I felt, <clears throat> excuse me, going into this, um, you know, I know that most podcasts are driven by interviews and uh, I, I am terrified of doing interviews basically. Like I, I felt like, my dream version of this, and it was this was kind of the moment when the idea that I could do a podcast like actually kind of clicked and became real to me. My dream version of this was basically just to like 
write essays and then find an incredibly talented person to like produce it and an incredibly talented person to write music for it. And then we would have like living essays, you know? Um, so it was, uh, it was, it was an experiment. And, um, I think probably what made that click for me was listening to, Another Ringer podcast, which is uh, Rob Harvilla doing 60 songs that explain the 90s, which I think is a, a wonderful show. It does. Rob does interview someone in every episode. But before the interview, there's there's a, an extended essay, which which Rob reads. And I just I just love those so much and thought, well, I can rip that off shamelessly and make a show myself. So uh, sorry, Rob, but <laughs> that, that's how we got here. There are no rights to structure so you're not stealing anything <laughs> my friend uh what is your connection how did you get into soccer in the first place you know i think like a lot of americans i just kind of discovered it when it started being on tv more in the in the early 2000s you know i did not grow up as a soccer fan i didn't even grow up playing youth soccer which probably a lot of people would say um explains some of my takes on the game because i i don't always know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but um, uh, I I think you know during those like I was aware of the '94 World Cup, but I was mostly an NFL fan at that point. Like I was in high school, I was mostly uh, basketball, football, and then I got a little burned out on American uh, American football, not so much basketball. Um, probably around the time of the the 2006 World Cup, I was getting really into soccer, and I think from that moment, I mean the the final of that World Cup just kind of laid me open like no sports event I think I'd ever seen before. The you know the the headbutt and Zidane, the end of Zidane's career, and you know I think I had known who Zinedine Zidane was for about four weeks at that point, but um, but it still was such an intense experience. And from that moment, I was just hooked. I really started uh, following it more closely than any other sport. What in the soccer world do you like to follow sort of on a week-to-week -week basis? That's a great question. And I think that because I am not you know, I'm not I'm not a soccer writer like full time always like I, I kind of dip my toes into a lot of areas and do a lot of different things. I'm sort of able to just kind of find my own way. And there are definitely times when I'm incredibly focused on one league or another league. Like last year, I was super into like fantasy Premier League. So I was watching the Premier League much more than any other league. But at other times, I've just been like, I want to watch Messi. So I just watched La Liga for a year and and nothing else. But yeah, last year, FPL just kind of broke my heart and and uh, sucked me in. I was, I was in the top thousand in the world after the <laughs> halfway point of the season. And I was like, I'm going to win. I'm so good at fantasy side. Of course, it's all just luck. And uh, the wheels came off completely. And like I went in flames down the mountain. I didn't even finish in the top 50K. But for a while there, I was really hooked. I'm not playing again this year. It was too painful. It's funny because I'm actually playing for the first time this year. I got invited to join a league and I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, but it's it's hard. <laughs> like knowing about the game doesn't really help you that much. Oh, shoot. Um, so I've always had this question for people in the U.S. when it comes to soccer. How do you approach trying to write about soccer or podcast about soccer to a U.S. audience? Because I can remember having these conversations when, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s at Sports Illustrated with editors saying, like, can't we just try to cover soccer like we would any other sport? We like, we don't yeah. need to like dumb it down or anything like that. Uh, and eventually we got there, I think. Um, how do you approach trying to do this? And, and do you do anything because it's 
a U.S. audience? For the most part, I, I don't do anything because it's a U.S. audience. I mean, I, I tend to assume that a U.S. audience will be a little more forgiving of me if I like make fun of England for no reason, which I do regularly. But um, but I don't I don't dumb it down for a U.S. audience. I, I would say when making this podcast, I was very conscious of the fact that there's a large soccer popular you know soccer fan population in the united states that loves the game and knows a ton about the game and could name the back line of west ham alphabetically in reverse but maybe doesn't have quite as much experience of the history of the game because a lot of us came in you know relatively late so um i i just kind of took that as permission to tell a lot of stories that will be familiar to people who have like a really thorough grounding in soccer history but that might be new to a big part of the you know the ringer podcast audience and and even among like really pretty hardcore american soccer fans who are not like reading random books about soccer in the 50s or whatever. I think it's a great point because I do have to remind myself from time to time when you're in a country that's creating lots of new soccer fans all the time, they can be into the sport, but they may not be fully aware of the U.S. going to the World Cup quarterfinals in 2002 or, or something right, like that. Right. And those stories are, are worth telling. And I also do think, by the way, that American soccer fans pay attention to more leagues than maybe fans yes. even in England or Spain or Italy or Germany because they have such established leagues that they follow in those countries yes. that may not follow each other's league that the U.S. maybe has uh, a bit more of that going for it. So, um, Absolutely. It's, it's, it's an interesting cultural phenomenon. Um, in terms of what else do I have here? I, wh where do you think the sport of soccer is in the United States at this point? That's that's a really good question, actually. I I feel like um, I don't know. I feel like young people I talk to are soccer fans, you know, more and more of the time. I, I think um, for for a long time, and you remember this era probably better than than anyone else, having been at SI when you were at SI, but. For, for a long time, there was this kind of assumption that if you were like an established older American sports writer, that soccer would be something you held in contempt. You know, you would you would fire off the annual like why I hate soccer because it's a bunch of like socialist weenies flopping around and, uh, you know, not not tackling each other column. And, and that was like the viral column of the of the like late 90s, <laughs> whatever. I think that era is gone and it's it's um it's understood now that americans are you know can be soccer fans and that that's like perfectly normal and okay and i think like you know when i talk to people in their 20s i'm more likely to have a conversation with a passionate arsenal supporter than a passionate dallas mavericks fan or whatever like i i think that people are uh people are engaged i think there are still some some big you know, issues to be resolved about getting the games on TV reliably, like the fact that you have to subscribe to 36 different services and that, you know, Peacock is becoming universal. USA Plus is becoming, you know, Paramount, HBO. Like, it's just uh, just kind of an endless dance to try to find the games. Although as a tennis fan, I, I find soccer somewhat manageable in that regard. Um, and I think MLS is doing well. I mean, I, I don't I don't look at the 
you know, at the the books of these leagues. Like I have no idea like who's making money, who's losing money. But like I know I have friends going to LAFC games who are just loving, you know, just like just absolutely love it. And uh I just feel like I hear more and more of that, that people feel like they have local clubs, but they also have the ability to follow international leagues. And uh I think there's a great thing about being American soccer uh, an American soccer fan that you touched on, which is that you can cherry pick a little bit more. You know, you can decide I love my local club, LAFC or whatever, but I also love Bayer Leverkusen and I also love Ajax and I also love Chelsea, like whatever. And, and, uh, you can, you can do that. And it doesn't feel like cheating in the way it feels if you're like a Yankees fan and, uh, you know, Mets fan or whatever. Will the U S men ever win a world cup in our lifetimes? Okay, so in out, we're about the same age. So let's see, we've got what we've probably got optimistically like 12, 12 more World Cups to go. Uh, yeah, I think I think I think like nine World Cups from now, it's going to be our moment. <laughs> the The players, the players may not be born yet who are going to going to no, we're going to win 2022. Are you kidding? I like the attitude. Um, so another random question here. Now that Spotify has an official relationship with both The Ringer and FC Barcelona, they're on their shirts, can you, Brian Phillips, get special access to reporting on whatever the heck is happening inside Barca right now? You know, I have put my name forward to Daniel Eck, the CEO of Spotify, uh, to become either the uh, the sporting director or perhaps the head coach of Barca. And those emails have gone unanswered. So I would say the question, um, the question is, uh, is undecided right now. There's some ambiguity, but uh, nothing has come, nothing has come my way yet. My, my team uh, has been agitating our, our podcast producers and I have been agitating for at least some gear, like at least like throw us some shirts, like, you know, they must have extra Frankie de Jong shirts to hand out, right? So, <laughs> But uh, but no, nothing, nothing. We're we're operating in an atmosphere of unwilling ethical probity right now. Oh shoot! Uh, so, what would it take to get you to cover soccer full time? Because I would love to see that happen, and I, I realize you have all these other interests, and I get it. But I just I miss I I, I miss your soccer writing and your podcast. I'm gonna get my fill here now for a little while. <laughs> but I'm a little concerned for after the World Cup. That is, uh, it's incredibly kind of you to say. And I have unbelievable respect for people who find a thing that they love and and stick to it. But I'm just too much of a gadfly, I think, mentally. Like, I think if I if I do the same thing for too long, I just start to feel like a little out of my head. And uh, I find that I like my my love for it starts to diminish. So I... I really like to jump from one one thing to another and I will never stop following soccer or stop covering soccer. Like I will always come back to it, I hope, uh, as long as people keep letting me uh, as I'm doing with this this show. But um, I don't know if I could do it full time. I just I, I I'm kind of bad at the like day to day business of it all. Like I, I, I you know, I feel like I'm I'm always like three days behind on the news. Um, I was just at a wedding last weekend and someone was like, well, who should we be looking out for at this World Cup? Like, what team is going to be good? And I said, Italy. 
And then I was like five minutes into this conversation and I was like, wait a second, Italy didn't qualify. You know, I've been doing a, a history podcast. I've been like back in 1950 and, uh, I had to like walk that back and say, you know, actually, <laughs> maybe don't look. Maybe Italy's not going to do well at this tournament. So maybe I should I should take breaks. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> they are the European champions. <laughs> I know that's why that's why I said it. I was like, oh yeah, they're on a roll. Like I let a young core. <laughs> Brian Phillips has a phenomenal new podcast series for the Ringer that just debuted called. 22 goals in which each episode uses a great World Cup goal as a window into an era of soccer history. Brian, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Congratulations on everything. Thank you so much, Grant. And it's an honor to be here. I'm so happy we were able to do it. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Brian Phillips as well as producer Chris Whittingham. You can now sign up for a free or paid subscription to my newsletter at grantwall.com. The best way to support my work is by taking out a paid subscription. See you next time.